My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. And we are live with The Art of Attraction with Domini Drew. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am thrilled to have you here. I have a fantastic show for you. My name is Domini Drew. I am your host, and I specialize in helping... Uh, and helping people to attract life partners. A lot of my work has been specifically around single men and helping single men attract life partners. I'm actually now working with women, which is great. So if you are a woman who is a fan of the podcast and you have been um, wanting to work with me or you're resonating with the work in any way, please reach out and give me a call um, because the work is um, equally as effective with women, of course, in every single way. <clears throat> And uh, and up until now, it just hasn't been the niche uh, in which I've been working. And so I still have my men's program, um, but now I've developed also a women's program. And so I am really working with a, a larger group of people, which is fantastic. However, if you are uh, someone who follows me, then you know that a lot of my work is really not about dating at all. Because the fact of the matter is, for the most part, you don't really have any dating problems, Right. It looks like you have dating problems or relationship problems or success problems or, you know, parent problems, parenting problems, you know, whatever it is that really um, you, you know, where, where your issues really tend to come up. What you really have is uh, self-sabotage issues, lack of clarity issues that then manifest, right? These childhood traumas that then um manifest in your adult world in one area of your life or another. And so to really know um, wh where the issue is, that is where I specialize, right? We go all the way back to childhood. We look at, you know, what patterns have formed since you were very young that um, have allowed you, that, that have, have, that then got lodged in your system, right? Those defense mechanisms got lodged in your system at a young age. And uh, and then are affecting you even into your adult life, right? And that's what tends to happen. And so if you've been well, watching the last few episodes, I've been going through the five personality patterns by Stephen Kessler, and it's a fantastic book. Um, it is It teaches almost exactly my training. And so I started reading this book and I was like, yes, yes. Oh my God, yes. Um, and that really... Um, I, I really I read the first few books and I was like, oh my God, I could have, I could have written this book. And I, I mean that not in, in an arrogant way, but just in a way that it was so aligned with what I already do. And so I decided to take uh, five episodes and go through the personality patterns that he talks about, because this is exactly the work that I teach. I have not written a book on it. 
And there are some books that have been written on it. Uh, Core Energetics by John Parakis is another. That was actually one of the texts. Um, John Parakis, his wife, <clears throat> channeled the Pathwork Lectures, which is where I started my journey when I was 19, over 16, 17 years ago now. And so, um, and so it's, it's, it's incredibly profound work. I mean, this work has changed my life, not in a small way, not in like a, oh, you know, I really noticed some difference after I went to a therapist for two years. Um, that's not a hit on therapy. By all means, go to therapy, but go to a good therapist. Go to someone who resonates with you. Go to someone you experience change with. Don't go to somebody for two years where you don't notice any difference. That's not you. That's the therapist, all right? Nobody comes to me for two years and doesn't experience anything. Most people don't come to me for two sessions and not experience anything. Um, and so to me, getting you the results is a really fucking big deal. Okay, that's the whole point of showing up. It's the whole point of showing up to therapy, right? To coaching, whatever it is that, that rocks your boat. So know as we go through this, and we are in the fifth personality pattern now, the rigid character, um, know that you know everything that we talk about today is healable, right? I used to have almost pretty much every single one of these personality patterns. And you know, in some way, excuse me, I'm, 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 I keep uh, swallowing because I'm, I'm still getting over a little bit, getting uh, sick here. So I, my apologies there. Um, but I, you know, I had these defensive uh, structures since childhood for a very long time, and I had to go through and dismantle each one of them. And I am so happy now, <laughs> and I'm so confident, and I'm, I let people love me, and I love easily, and I'm incredibly secure. I used to be a mess of insecurities. Um, people now react to me physically way differently than they used to. I Nobody used to really be attracted to me um, because I had these underlying ways where I would, I would push people away. And I also carried a lot of extra weight on my body that was also, um, I won't say psychological because it's really deeper than that, more of a psycho-spiritual or a psycho-energetic type of layer um, where I was needing to protect myself all the time. Right, that was my 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 uh, distorted belief was that I needed to protect myself, and so through that self protection, it it formed weight, and so I was overweight for a very long period of time, most of my life, and then and it didn't matter what I did. Right, I remember doing diet pills and all sorts of shit when I was a teenager. I mean, just really damaging stuff, especially at that age. Um, but I was miserably unhappy. I was uncomfortable in my body. I didn't like who I was. I was lonely because I was disconnected from myself. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. And if you um, listen to this podcast a lot, then I, I tend to throw in little um, pieces here and there. I don't particularly want to take it, make it all about me. But in times when I can give you an example of things that may resonate, um, I'm happy to do that. Um, and so... Through working with these personality patterns, or what in my in my training was called the characterologies, I have a whole week in my training. I do an eight week training course called the Art of Attraction, and I teach um, how to recognize these different character structures and how to um, and and how to identify them, how to how to dismantle them. Okay, so that's basically what you're doing. Is these are traumas experienced when you were very young um, that. Uh, that lodge in your system <clears throat> and then keep going, keep they stay with you into adulthood until you bring your awareness to them and then you um and then you can start to shift them. Okay. So that's essentially what I help people do. So the week five this week is about the rigid pattern. Okay. The rigid pattern, who is a rigid rigid pattern? And and um 
keep in mind also, I have not read through all of this book. I'm kind of going through it as I go and for inspiration. Um, but again, my training is, is so similar along the same lines um, that I find that I will say something and then a few minutes later, I'll see a page where he where he confirms um, what I just said. So uh, the rigid pattern, um, the statement he has here, the underlying statement sort of represents this pattern is I am my performance and so are you. Um, the rigid pattern is the type of person who's a perfectionist, okay? Type of person who um, really kind of hangs their value on how well they do, right? On how people see them. They tend to be very put together. They're very balanced in um, physically. Each personality pattern has its own physical characteristics and this one, they're just perfect, Right? There's nothing you can see that's wrong with them. They look very put together. If it's a lady, her nails will always be done um, or a gentleman. Um, their body is very fit and not a lot of fat on them. Um, they will stand very straight. They're, they're, you know, they're, there's a rigidity to them, right? They're not sort of sloppy. They tend to be quite upright. Interestingly, when you, these people, when you stand in front of these people, you will notice there's not a huge amount of breath. Right? They hold their breaths a lot. And everybody does that a little bit when they're in defense, but this one, it's like across the board. Like they will have a hard time breathing deeply. It's really quite fascinating. So, so I'll just start here. So he says, like all the survival patterns, the rigid pattern is a holding pattern in the body conditioned into it by trauma, which creates a particular habit of attention. The habit here is to shift attention away from the internal experience and onto an external set of rules and standards. Okay, so there you can already feel the disconnect, and that is the core wounding of this characterology: is they are disconnected from their core. What does that mean? It means they're focused on the external experience rather than the internal, because when they were young, their internal was dismissed in some way. Two kids who grow up next to each other, one will feel um, that it never, uh, that, that she's got value no matter what happens, right? I have value just by the fact of being me. That is not a rigid character. Some, the, the, her, her twin brother may feel, I absolutely do not have value. Um, of course, that won't be the conscious thought, right? Um, I do not have value just by virtue of being me. I need to earn it in some way. I need to do something to get value. And so you can see how that will lead to that external focus. So the emphasis is on correctness, uh, both on being correct and on finding what is incorrect and fixing it. So there's also maybe an efficiency piece, which I definitely have. This creates a negative bias of attention. It shifts the person's attention away from what is right toward what is wrong, away from satisfaction and pleasure and toward improving whatever is not yet perfect. So you can see there how the relationship with perfection already starts. Unlike the first four patterns, this survival pattern is usually not precipitated by an identifiable traumatic event. In many cases, the child is simply indoctrinated into the church of the one right way. If this is the only reflection she gets from her parents and her community, she grows up thinking, this is who I am. So <clears throat> the gifts of the rigid, um, let's go through this a little bit. 
um, every personality pattern has core qualities. And then what we do is when we feel overwhelmed or like we need to defend ourselves when we're kids, we distort those core qualities. Okay. So, um, so whatever you do too much of, if you overanalyze, well, you're probably brilliantly intelligent. So that's okay. Right. It just means you have a gift and you distort it. Um, when you feel you need to to be protected, right, is what the purpose of defense is. So the gifts of the rigid pattern are gifts of form and structure, masters of form, and also masters of order, right? They like categories, lists, maps, systems, and analysis. They know how everything fits together, but they have no need to force it. They give clear instructions and follow directions well. So there's a lot of clarity in this character. If you'll remember the leaving pattern and the enduring pattern, those patterns are incredibly unclear. Um, They don't know. There's like a, enduring has like a mire of like, I guess I'll just let it happen. The schizoids, the leaving is not even here at all, right? They're just totally gone. (laughs) And so this one is quite clear, right? One isn't better than another. This one just happens to have clarity. When in the gifts of this pattern, they have a strong respect for social, cultural, and legal rules. They know the rules and they understand their value. Because they are so aware of form, those in the gifts of this pattern are good at perceiving and respecting boundaries, whether they are uh, psychological, spatial, or legal boundaries. They make a clear distinction between self and other and usually hold clear energetic boundary around them, which others can often feel. Here's an interesting thing. When um, when they are caught in the pattern, meaning when they are in the rigid defense, okay, not the gift, but the defense, their energetic boundary is rigid and others may perceive it as the wall. So if you are a type of person who tends to get the feedback from people that you have a wall up or you feel that you have a wall up, then that's the rigid character, okay? Um, Left brain functionality, their thinking is linear rather than non-linear. They specialize in clear, logical, methodical thinking. You get the idea. Strong, focused attention, etc. Okay, they're high achievers. They're also incredibly uh, passionate. Uh, rigid, rigid people, uh, people who use the rigid defense because they're not rigid at their core, um, tend to be highly, um, they're leaders. They're clear, they're ambitious, they're high achievers, and they're passionate. And they're also very intuitive. Um, possibly because um, they have um, such clarity, right? What they don't have, though, is a sense of themselves, right? A strong sense of um, who I really am. So they will often feel empty inside, right? It's a type of thing because they're disconnected from themselves. So Feeling connected does not come from other people. It seems like it does, right? It appears to, to our human eyes, but a lot of things appear to be true to our human eyes that are not in fact true at all. Um, and so uh, so our experience is, oh yeah, if I'm around lots of people, I won't be lonely anymore. Show of hands. Anybody been in a room full of people and still felt lonely? I have a distinct memory of being on a train in Boston when I lived in Boston and uh, going, uh, going across the Charles, and, and I was in this crowded, you know, train car, and I remember thinking, oh my God, I feel like I'm completely alone, disconnected from self. So the origins of the rigid pattern, let's talk about, 
let's talk about how this forms, okay? Remember, this is the type of person <clears throat> who will naturally have these gifts. And because they have the gifts when they are threatened, or, you know, we all are as children, then they, they distort using their gifts. So that turns into the rigid pattern. There are two paths that commonly lead a child to develop the rigid survival pattern. The less common situation occurs when the parents in the home situation are chaotic and unstructured. Um, this uh, this um, character um, is often the child of um, alcoholics, right? Because the thing about alcoholics is they're not necessarily one way or the other, right? It's not like, oh man, dad's going to be home. He's going to be belligerent. It's more like dad's coming home. We don't know what he's going to be, right? Mom's coming home. We don't know what she's going to be. So you don't really ever know what you're going to get. There's like this wild inconsistency. And so that's, there's, there's your chaos, right? So that's, um, that's what the, the, the typical tends to be. This particular child, though, needs the safety of an ordered, structured environment. In this case, the child adopts the rigid pattern as a way to bring more order and structure into her life. She creates, she herself creates the order and structure that she needs as a reaction to its absence, right? So she's not getting the order and structure that she needs, so she makes it herself. Smart, right? These are survival strategies. These are brilliant. If you're feeling guilt or upset, then... Mm, Watch that because that's not, that, that's your adult mind going, oh, I shouldn't have these problems. What on earth does that mean I shouldn't have these problems? This is what you did because this is what you needed to do. As I said in the beginning, it then lodges in your system and now it's affecting your adult life. You don't need it anymore, but here's why we study this and we then release them. The more common situation occurs when one or both parents are so caught in the rigid pattern that they overemphasize rules and order in the home. Believing this is the best way to be, they require it of their child. The child then absorbs the rigid pattern in much the same way she absorbs her native language. I'm not sure if I would say that's the more common situation. That could be true, but I haven't seen that particular research. That's not in my experience. Either way, both of them can lead to, <clears throat> to the rigid character. So, so in an ideal scenario, uh, one's parents teach her how to choose for herself. They provide guidance, set limits, teach manners, of course, but then they also, of course, are you hearing me, my generation? Discipline. Children need discipline. They need rules. Please don't be your friend, your child's friend. If you do look at my, look at my, uh, uh, I've done an episode on control, perfectionism and control. Um, and it's, it's, you need to step into your power. You are a parent. Please parent. I say this because I look around and I just see parents letting their children run wild and those kids are going to grow up to be super assholes. And that's fine, except that once they hit the adult world, they're going to be dealing with me. And if they're, you know, it's like, I, I'm not going to be as nice as you are. Why, why on earth should anyone? So respect is a very, very important thing to uh to instill in one's child. So if that's something that you think is unkind, then please take that to your therapist um because that's not the same thing, right? Or discipline is abuse, those are not the same things. Um so be be highly aware, right? Do your self-work if you're a parent. It's very, very important because you're forming other human beings that then need to grow up and go to therapy. <laughs> so <clears throat> So they uh, set limits, teach manners, of course, but then they also begin the process of teaching her how to find her own answers inside herself. Remember, this is the ideal parent um, uh, 
scenario here at this phase of development. Um, at first, they simply reflect back to her what she seems to be feeling by saying things like, you look sad, you sound angry. They give them those feelings names. But as she grows, they give her choices and help her use her feelings to evaluate these choices. Gradually, they teach her how to find her own answers inside herself. Through this process, she learns to reference her own body sensations and feelings as information to use in making her decisions. She learns that she can use her sensations and feelings as an inner guide for her decisions, in addition to the external guidance that her parents give her. As she makes decisions that are right for her, she learns she can trust herself. Remember that. We'll come back to that one. In order to develop self-trust and self-confidence, we all need to go through the same process, self-referencing. How do I feel? Do I like or dislike this? Do I prefer this one or that one? It's interesting. In my work um, with clients, it's quite fascinating how few people actually have that skill, know how they feel. A lot of us tend to think out our feelings um, because thinking doesn't hurt. Uh, it's instead um, causes, it allows us to avoid um, feelings that may be painful or uncomfortable. So um, if you tend to overanalyze, look for whether or not you may be intellectualizing your feelings, right? Well, of course I'm sad about it. It's just, you know, I mean, of course it's sad. She meant so much to me. Da, 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 da. I'm talking about sadness. I'm not feeling it. Feelings may come along with thoughts, but they very well may not. They happen in the body, not in the head. They are experiences rather than thoughts. They are waves um, rather than uh, points where a thought is like, hmm, I'm hungry. That's a thought. The wave of, oh, of longing for food that has no words, that's the actual hunger. Okay, so be aware if you link those two things because uh, a lot of people do. Quite interesting. What's the problem with that? I'll just finish that before I go on. Problem with that is you're going to feel disconnected. You will have a harder time connecting with people and when you do connect with people, you won't feel it. Same thing as with the train, um, feeling lonely on the train full of people. Okay, connection doesn't come from the outside. You can be in love with the woman of your life or married to the woman of your lo uh, you know, love of your life and you could still not uh, really be able to feel her love or your love for her. You may know it's there, but you may not be able to feel it. Um, and that's because there's disconnection from the self, which is the rigid curtain. Okay. Learning to feel your own core and reference it and making decisions is the foundation for knowing and trusting yourself. So in the beginning, the child does not see herself directly. She sees herself through the eyes of the parents. So whatever her parents reflect back to her, she sees more clearly. Whatever her parents do not reflect back, she may not even notice, right? So if her parents are blind to certain parts of her, including her just core being of who she is, she will tend to become blind to those parts of herself as well. If her parents are unable to reflect back her own heart and essence, there's the core I'm talking about, it would maybe be very hard for her to feel and reference those parts of herself, okay? And if her parents are also unaware of their own essence and do not reference themselves when making their own decisions, she will have no model for how to do this, of course, right? She may never even realize that such a thing is possible. Send her to me, I will teach her. 
This is the core wound of those who adopted the rigid pattern. Their inner life was not reflected back to them, and they did not learn to reference it as a source of inner guidance. Instead, attention was focused only on their surface, on their appearance and performance. And they were taught to use an external set of rules as their guidance. So they live their lives trying to conform to those external rules, unaware that they're missing their authentic self and the guidance it would provide. Like merging pattern people, that was week two, they did not learn to self-reference. However, they did not learn to other reference either. Instead, they learned to rule reference. Oh, that's so well put. Well done, sir. Very good. Very good, Bert. Yes. So, so there you have it, right? They, they, they have no reference outside, uh, inside for themselves. They don't even have reference for another. They have reference for the rules, right? They go outside, they're playing with somebody, uh, with, with another kid, they throw mud at the kid. The parent comes in and says, not, do you not, do, do you, you know, not indicating to the, to the child, maybe you don't feel good about having thrown mud at the other kid, not coming at the child like, can you see how you're throwing mud at the kid hurt that other kid's feelings, but instead comes in with a rule, there's no mud throwing here. Does that make sense? That idea just came to me. That's a pretty good example though. I'm proud of myself because if you listen to this show a lot, you know I'm really terrible <laughs> coming up with examples. So excellent. So <clears throat> the inner critic as parent. Typically, a person who develops the rigid pattern has at least one rigid pattern parent. And let me just add something here. It's not that if you are, if you identify with the rigid pattern, that you're going to be a terrible parent. It's about being unconscious about it. If you're identifying with what I'm saying, you're like, oh my God, that's me give me a call or go see someone to work through this. This is it's all just stuff. The only problem is when it's on autopilot, okay? You have incredible gifts as a, as a rigid pattern person, right? You have an incredible, you have incredible, um, uh, you know, an incredible amount to give to another being. There's, there's no problem having the rigid pattern. The problem is when you don't do anything about it and you let it run wild, then you're parenting from your defense, right? Whether you're rigid or any of the others, that's not going to go well. So <clears throat> um, criticism tends to become uh, the parenting, right? Um, such parents relate to the child mostly from their inner critic rather than from their heart. They see the whole world through a right, wrong, good, bad filter with no shades of gray. They may have little empathy for their child and are able to love her only conditionally. For a young defenseless child, this can be a very painful experience, right? And so the, so criticism is what they learn as caring, okay? So then, they, of course, they will then do that with others. Ladies who are listening and who are always after their boyfriends and their husbands trying to make them better, trying to fix them, trying to fussing, henning, pecking, you know, doing this little mother hen thing, mothering. Stop it. It's not sexy. It's not attractive. It's probably not going to work. And it's disrespectful and insulting. I see this a lot, okay? 
I see this a lot in women who try to improve their men. Don't improve him. Go find a better one if that's what you want, according to your version of better. Don't pick one and try and change it, right? You can make suggestions and then leave them alone. And then they will either ask you later to follow up more about your suggestion or they will not. But you must, you must in, a, in a relationship with a man, you must leave a lot of space, okay? Um, probably more than you want to. You want to go in and control and, and make it perfect and fix it. Stop it. Every time you do that, you push him away, right? Years down the road, when he's worn down to a nub, you can't figure out why. That's why, okay? Um, my experience of, of dating men is, um, is, is very much that. And I used to be that person, to be clear. I didn't like, I wasn't like, you know, born with this, with this wisdom. I learned it. I fucking learned it because I was one of those people who was, I was always playing little games because I was insecure. (laughs) I was insecure. So, you know, when he said, I love you, I didn't quite hear it that way. And I would do things to get them to prove that they love me. I mean, it was like bullshit, you know, like teenager bullshit, except well into my twenties. And so I had to really learn that, that self-love come to that place. It is your job to love you. Okay. It is your job to prioritize you. It's actually not his. Now, if he chooses to do so, that is fantastic. And you may really enjoy that. And you may choose to spend more time around him because he chooses to do that. But can you see how that's not the same as it's his job? It's not his job to to love you. He doesn't have to. If he does, great. And enjoy that and appreciate it. But don't always be fixing. When you when you do that, you know, the the eye rolling and the, you know, complaining about him to your friends and the you know, those sorts of little dynamics, they cut him off at the knees. And then you wonder why he's not taller. Or you wonder why he doesn't stand in his power and stand behind you like, you know, beside you like the God that you want. Well, it's because you're continuously cutting him down. It looks like you're trying to love him, but you're not. You're just criticizing. It's, it's unkind. Acceptance is, is, is step one if you're going to be in a relationship. That's the one you picked. Okay, either adjust and accept that one as he is, which then empowers him, which then down the road will lead to more change um, because he will want to please, he will want to, um, to self-improve, right? Because you're holding that, that standard. Um, or find someone else who's a better fit so you don't have to change and adjust and fix. Fix, okay? Every time you criticize, um, you, you may feel like you're helping. You may intend to help, <clears throat> but help is asked for. If he's not asking for your help, then you're not helping. You're criticizing. And, and then you, you're, you cut him down to be less of a man, and then he doesn't rise up to meet you, right? He's, he's there kind of trying to, to defend himself from you, trying to, oh God, is something wrong with me? You're creating self-doubt where there doesn't need to be any, right? If there's something you can't deal with, then you calmly, first you go to your coach, your therapist, and you work through the trigger of how he reminds you of your dad or your mom or your first grade teacher or whatever. That's fine. Don't pretend that's not happening. It is, <laughs> okay? That's part of the game. No big deal. 
And then when you've worked through the part that's not about him, first of all, that will probably solve the problem entirely. That's the magic of this work is when you work through what the issue is in yourself, you then actually, um, you then actually, um, uh, the, the, the other person changes the whole, the whole problem dissolves. It's, it's actually quite extraordinary. It's, it's, I have no word for it other than magic because that's honestly how it works, but it's measurable and repeatable. So it's sort of magic, part magic, part science. Um, so, so, uh, so work through your trigger is your issue. You can't handle the way he dresses. Great. You go to your therapist. I can't handle the way he dresses. Oh my God, it's so embarrassing. Da, 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 da. Great. Turns out that's about, you know, you, um, you know, not feeling supported because he seems young because of the clothes that he wears and you don't, you know, and it's bringing up trust issues for you. Great. Those are your trust issues. Work through them. They do not have anything to do with him or his clothing, right? So do your own inner work. And then when you need, and and then, you know, if there's something that you can't deal with, hey, <clears throat> you know, I've asked you to do this a number of times. It's not happening. This is a real problem for me. What can we do here? Like a damn adult. Okay, not with side comments or working out your insecurities on them or all sorts of things. So that's my little, this is in the interest of you keeping your relationship and making it better, by the way. Okay. So another thing that the rigid can do um, is see the child as a project, right? Um, Since parents who remain identified with their inner critic cannot value their own beingness, they cannot value their child's beingness either. So that was the first thing that I mentioned here where um, where I said, you know, if you're not seen as having value just for the sheer fact of that you exist, that's when the rigid para, um, personality pattern comes out. And so that's about not valuing the child's beingness, right? Their core. <clears throat> they cannot value and love her as she is. The parents cannot love and value the child as she is. Instead, they value and love the idealized child they are trying to turn her into. Hey, that's what I was just saying about men, women doing it to their boyfriends. Stop it. For rigid patterned parents, improving their child replaces their loving their child as she is. The child becomes a project rather than a being, and managing the project replaces trusting the child's natural growth and development. However, since the parents are focused on their image of the ideal child instead of their actual child, notice that their focus is on what they want, not what they have, right? All of this is very well intended. My kid's going to go to Harvard. My kid's going to be a doctor, you know, what do you, what do you need from your child that is not the child that is in front of you? <clears throat> so because of that, they're, uh, they're often unable to accurately assess her current stages and abilities. They tend to expect too much, pushing her into situations she's not ready for. As she tries to keep up, she gets ahead of her natural rhythm and timing, take on, takes on too much responsibility and begins to act like a little adult instead of like a child. Because a child is just kind of pure beingness in a lot of ways, right? At least until their initial wounding when they, they kind of uh, wake up a bit. Not in a nice way. <laughs> I mean, it's all nice. You know, we do what we do. But when the, those, that's when those initial defenses get, um, get set in. Uh, another way this can form is uh, like living in a police state. <clears throat> in having prohibited emotions and perceptions in perfection being the goal of life, right? These people are perfectionists. 
And so here he's got a section called the defensive action. So in order to keep her inner sensations and feelings muted and under control, the child must find a way to contain, very key word with the rigid character, and constrict the flow of energy through her body. She does this by tensing her muscles and reducing her breathing, right? What was the first thing I said about breathing? Not a lot of breath in this character. This lowers her sensitivity to inner stimuli and provides some protection from incorrect feelings, desires, and actions. Over time, she learns to habitually restrict the flow of energy and sensations through her body. Whenever a feeling or impulse arises, it is checked for correctness. If it is not an approved experience, she tenses internally to suppress it. She learns to automatically contain all inner feelings and impulses in order not to have any incorrect ones. <sighs> Instead, she does her best to feel, think, and act as the rules dictate. She tries to conform to the ideal self-image she has been given. She tries her best to be perfect. Instead of learning to be herself, she learns to perform herself. <clears throat> So, imagine, just imagine for a moment, the profound experience, I won't label it, of trying to figure out which feelings are correct and which feelings are incorrect. Like, let's just start there. Let's just start with a baseline. What are the correct ones? What are the incorrect ones? The idea of putting on right or wrong onto feeling something as vague, as flowy, as subjective, for God's sakes, um, as feelings is, <laughs> to me, to me, I put myself in that situation and I'm lost in a maze. I'm just lost. Like there's just hedges everywhere. I don't know where to go. I can't seem to go up. I can't seem to go down. You know, where, where does one go, right? To even start to decide which ones are right and which ones are wrong. Now, if you've got someone you're with, say a parent or a partner who tells you which feelings are right and wrong, <clears throat> okay, at least you're not lost right? You've got an outside source to reference. That's what feels comfortable because that's what you learned in childhood. So there you are. The idea of trying to do that on your own is like, you know, and you're not happy either way, mind you, but the idea of trying to even figure these out on your own is just so profound. So here are the results of that defensive action, that containing and restricting of self. Uh, tensing. I'm just going to read through them. Tensing to maintain control right? So a lot of muscle tension. Developing a fierce inner critic, right? <coughs> Excuse me. The inner critic uh, is just, will just be lethal. They'll just lethal. Uh, needing to improve everything. Nothing's okay just the way it is. It needs to be fixed. Uh, fear of making a mistake. How do, you, how do you figure that out either? What's a mistake? What isn't? How can you point to one? This is the one thing that, this is something I do to help people out of perfectionism. I've actually had profound fortune. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see a video from someone named Joy Haley who wrote an incredible testimonial in 10 weeks. She, uh, she totally dropped her perfectionism. 
uh, amongst a huge number of other things. Um, and she was just, you know, she just didn't, it was, it was just ruled her life. Her parent, whole parenting changed, her children changed, her marriage changed through these 10 weeks of working with me. Um, and, uh, and perfectionism was among those. Where was I? Oh, results of defending out, fear of making a mistake, performing well, right? She's just going to perform well, abandoning the self. Uh, this is huge. Here's that self-disconnect, right? And this is going to underlie every other connection she has with anyone. A vague sense of dissatisfaction. This is also something I come across in clients quite often. Um, they, they're, they're unhappy, but they don't really know why. They can't quite point to it. <clears throat> That's the rigid. And so the body tends to be um, quite uh, balanced, right? I'm on Facebook Live here, and I can show you the picture. And it's basically just like a, a guy who's just perfectly proportioned, perfectly muscled, um, very, very straight and aligned. Uh, and that's the very typical for the, for the rigid. The psychology he goes into here, he says, the main issue for rigid patterned people is their lack of trust in their own inner experience as a source of both guidance and personal authenticity. Usually they have no idea that they could have a self that is more authentic than their normal experience. So they might, may find this concept confusing because they can't feel it. It's a whole different template. It's like trying to think through your emotions, right? At the same time, their conviction that their present behavior is correct may be so strong they will fiercely object to the idea that it is not authentic. At that point, they're not a client for me because if they don't want help, then I don't help. Okay, very tightly round, wound, referencing the rules, experiencing life through words. Here we are with the conceptualizing we were talking about earlier. Here are beliefs that they carry. There is one right way for everything. Does that sound familiar? Um, order is the source of safety. Mistakes must be punished. Oh, in the first sentence there, he says, is punishing mistakes is part of the rigid person's attempt to restore order. Uh, another belief, you are your performance. Work has value, play does not. Only certain feelings are valid and allowable. This is interesting. I'm going to read through on this one a little bit. When it comes to feelings, their belief is that some feelings are valid and allowable and others just aren't. To be valid, feelings have to be reasonable and correct. Incorrect feelings are dismissed. Such a dismissal might sound like this. One person says, but I'm afraid of it. The other says, oh, come on. You can't be afraid of a mouse. The basic message here is you're not allowed to have that feeling. So. I, I wanted to say that out loud because that's a really common thing you hear. Oh, come on, you can't be afraid of that. Uh, I am afraid of that. What the hell does that even mean? What do you mean I can't be afraid of that? It abs I absolutely am afraid of that. Just because I am. No other reason. Fear is not logic. If you are logicing your emotions, that is an indicator of this <clears throat> character. You are out of reality. Okay, emotions like fear, sadness, grief, worry, things like that, they don't have reasons, okay? They're, it's, it's a different level of being, right? Your thoughts, your thoughts have reasons, right? Your thoughts are reasonable, 
right? Reason and logic, those are all, that's, that's one realm. It's the mental realm. The emotional realm flows. It is just beingness, okay? Um, and that personal feelings do not matter, okay? There are psychological defenses. Um, of course, they're big in following the rules. Oh, let me talk about their fears, actually. This is quite useful. So he talks about the fears here of the, of the rigid personality. Hi, everybody on Facebook. Thanks for coming in, checking in. Thank you for your comments. Please keep commenting. Um, so the fears you list here are imperfection, imperfection, right? So they're, they're petrified of, of imperfection in any form, right? They fear any deviation from the approved rules, uh, forms and rules. And more generally, they fear failing, disorder, making mistakes, and looking foolish. Taken together, their fears boil down to a fear of criticism and the loss of love. Just like every, everyone, they want approval, but they do not expect to get it for anything less than a perfect performance. Usually, they were conditioned this way by a rigid parent, patterned parent who couldn't give approval for anything less than a perfect performance. Okay, another fear that this character has Taking the wrong action. Yeah, people are resonating on Facebook Live. That's great, Rose. Thank you for, for contributing that. Taking the wrong action. Fear of making a mistake. Here's another one where you're lost in a damn maze, right? Point to me the mistake. Where is one? How do you know it's a mistake? Oh, well, I, I, you know, I was walking down the street the other day and I tripped on the curb. How do you know that's a mistake? Maybe you fell down, you scraped your knee, you stopped to tend to it, and the love of your life stopped checking you're okay. And there you met him, and boom, you're good to go. How do you know it's a mistake? Right? So I want to stop, I want to pause here and, and, and touch on this because this is incredibly powerful. The ideas that we have of what is good or bad in life are totally created by us. Okay? They are totally subjective. And I'm saying subjectively polite, but what I really mean is meaningless, okay? They have meaning because we give them meaning, but we don't give them all the same meanings, right? One person decides one thing is good and that thing ends up being bad for someone else. So that person thinks it's bad. Life, energy, the world at large is not good or bad. It just is. I'm going to say that again. It's not good or bad. It just is. You may like it or dislike it. Yes. But that's just your own personal feelings. <laughs> so you say, oh, that was a really good decision. That just means you liked it. Turns out an hour from now, it may turn out to be a really bad decision because you don't like it anymore. So there's no objective good or bad out there. Okay. What it is, 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 is what it is, and then you see it in a certain way, and that decides whether or not you think it's good or bad. And that's perfectly fine, but it's, it's with respect to you, not with respect to an objective reality, okay? So let me, I have a story that I'd like to, to, to share with this. There was a village that had an old wise man that lived uh, on a house on top of the hill. And there was a, uh, a fence. He had a son and there was a, a fence outside, uh, an empty pasture outside of his home. And one day, a horse jumped into his pasture and, was, and he found it there the next day. And all the villagers went, oh my goodness, you're so lucky. That is such great news. You got, you know, you have this horse. Isn't that wonderful? And the old wise man goes, maybe. And then the next day, his son tries to break the horse. 
and he goes out into the um uh, into the into the pasture and he gets on the horse and the horse throws him and he breaks his leg and all the villagers go oh my god i can't believe that happened that is the worst news that is such a terrible thing and the old wise man goes maybe and the next day the cavalry comes through and they are recruiting all healthy and well young men for the army and they skip over the old wise man's son because his leg is broken so there's there's it, it, it things that happen just happen in the moment they feel good or bad absolutely but to say something is a mistake indicates that you have a view of its impact uh, on your reality and the global reality that you don't have. You only have your own perception, your own perspective. And that's a lot, and that's great. But it's not an all-encompassing, omniscient view. So you can't say whether it's good or bad, okay? It's just a thing that happened that you like or that you don't like. And so I really encourage you to embody this place of being really observant and centered about what happens. Okay. I was born with this. That's a terrible thing. Maybe, maybe it's a wonderful thing. Maybe it just is what it is. And you can just take all the charge and pressure off of it. And then you, there, there's this beautiful neutrality, not in like a, a tuned out type of way, but in a way where you can just be happy regardless of what is. Okay. Because you're not attaching things to it right? You're not attaching your humanness to life. You're just letting life be life, right? Some things will lift you up. Some things will tear you down. Life's going to keep going. You get to decide how you respond to it. So be aware of what you decide is a mistake um, and know that you have a very limited view, like the blind man and the, and the elephant, right? You have a very limited view of reality. It's not... Um, uh, it's not invalid, your view of reality. It's just profoundly slim, profoundly small slice, okay? So taking the wrong action, fear of making a mistake, I mean, that is just one of those things that you can run yourself around a maze if you want to, but there is no meaning to be had to any of it. So you could also just uh, sit down and have a drink and enjoy your day. Um, other fears of the rigid personality, uncontrolled experiences. They love control. So anything that feels um, uncontrollable, um, spontaneous, uh, spontaneous movement, falling in love, falling apart, <laughs> falling in general, he says. <laughs> um, experiences like these involve sailing into uncharted waters, going to places that are off the map and outside the rules, possibly even against the rules, and allowing such experiences requires relaxing the strict internal control used to stay within the one right way. Um, The psychological defenses, okay? Uh, Following the rules, creating order, planning and predicting, correcting and punishing rule violations. Pride. Intellectualization, that's what we talked about in the beginning, of intellectualizing your feelings rather than having them. Because, of course, feelings are uncontrolled. And so someone who who thrives on control will actually want very much to intellectualize them. Uh, Achievement, being right or superior. I had that one for a long time. I was really obnoxious with that. Uh, Staying constantly busy. The wall. 
right? We talked about the wall, how you will be perceived to have a wall because your boundaries are, are always up. So what do we do here? Let's talk about how they recreate their early wounding. As with all the survival patterns, rigid pattern people tend to recreate their own early woundings by the very things they do to try to keep themselves safe. This process is unconscious, of course, but it is very effective in perpetuating the pattern by maintaining the kinds of relationships and experiences they had in childhood. One way that they recreate their childhood wounding is by presenting themselves as their performance and achievements rather than as their beingness, feelings, and needs. So you can see how that sort of perpetuates the cycle, right? Then when they are admired and loved for their achievements, it reinforces their belief that their being and self are not lovable, right? So they're afraid of that they're only their performance. It's kind of the only way they know themselves. They present themselves as their performance. And then when they are admired and loved for them, they feel empty inside, like, why don't you see the real me? And since the love does not penetrate to their core, because they're disconnected from it, right, it feels somehow unsatisfying. They may then conclude that something is wrong with the relationship and move on, or they may try to achieve more, which then just restarts the cycle. Either way, their belief that they are unlovable only that they, excuse me, that they were lovable only for their performance has been reinforced rather than challenged. They also recreate their childhood wounding by continuously correcting themselves, doing to themselves what was done to them. Actually, their inner critic is correcting them, but since they think the inner critic is them, they take it to be their own voice. And the rigidity goes beyond just the muscles and the lack of breath into their thoughts, right? You can probably see that from, um, from what we've, we've gone through. So their, their whole being tends to be rigid. So <clears throat> let's go to getting yourself out of the rigid pattern. Here are signs that you're in the rigid pattern. Sorry, guys. You're trying to cram all of your experiences into the known categories and boxes. You're trying to put the whole world in order. You're trying to improve others who don't want it. (laughs) You're following, I used to do that a lot too. You're following the rules of some outside authority rather than referencing your own felt self, felt sense for guidance. You think that you are your performance and that all of your value is in your achievements. Excuse me. The solution. You need to focus on your feelings and sensations as the source of your inner guidance. I'm going to say that again. You need to focus on your feelings and sensations as the source of your inner guidance. You need to reconnect with yourself. So to get out of the rigid pattern, he says, shift your attention from correctness to something soft, playful, or pleasurable. It can be any sort of pleasure, contentment, or delight. An exercise can be simply wiggling your butt. It can be shift your attention from a contracted focus point to an open, expanded field focus. 
Soften the focus of your eyes. Let them become soft. Healing the rigid pattern. The unmet developmental need of rigid pattern people is to have all their various parts seen, valued, and loved, especially the young, needy, and vulnerable parts. Additionally, they need to feel loved and cherished just for their beingness without having to do anything. There's the difference between being and doing, right? To heal, they have to move toward feelings rather than forms and rules. Their developmental tasks are to learn to feel and value their own feelings and needs and to trust their own feelings as their source of inner guidance. That is what it's about, people. To trust their own feelings as their source of inner guidance and to allow the full flow of their life force energy to move through their body. They need to loosen the one right way and turn inward for information rather than outward. They need to disidentify from their inner critic. That is huge. You need to know that voice inside is not you. I know it sounds like you. It's because you've taken it on. You now identify with it. But it is from a parent or it is from a primary caregiver when you are very small. We do not think shitty things about ourselves. We are told them subconsciously, often, although sometimes not, often not. Um, We are shown these things and we take them on as children. Okay. Um, What section am I in now? Hang on. Healing the rigid pattern. Um, Being a mess and still being loved. Love yourself even when you're a mess. That's a huge way to get out of the rigid pattern. Explore pleasure and fun. Uh, Connecting sex and love is something that the rigid pattern struggles with. So letting yourself be touched and, and, you know, through love and letting yourself feel the love in it, that also makes that connection. Uh, Relaxing the wall, right? Letting people see you the way you are. Anger work. Very important to do anger work. You must release the anger that you feel. It must be expressed responsibly, people. Not at the person you think is making you angry. Nobody's making you angry. because that person could say or do exactly what they just said or did and you could not react at all or you could stay in pure joy. That is physically possible, which means that rather than them making you angry, they are instead touching something in you that is eliciting anger you already carry. When you clear that anger, that touch will not react, will not um, cause the same response at all. Do the anger work, um, do the energetic skills and the human need and spiritual need. So, this character um, is so brilliant in so many ways. Um, they're powerful and they're leaders and they're um, clear and they're passionate. Um, and they're just obsessed with doing it wrong. And they're in a, uh, a, a scenario where you can't possibly do it wrong. Or you could look at it and assume that everything's doing it wrong, right? Um, and so... These, uh, these patterns, we all have them. <clears throat> Rose asked a great question uh, on the Facebook Live. Why is it when you're reading this book that it totally describes me, right? It's because we all have all five patterns. Now, one, and, and um, Rose, there are five episodes that I've done on this topic. This is the fifth and the final one. If you go back and listen to the others, and I will put the link here. And that link for those listening is dominiedrew.com forward slash podcast. And it will take you to where you can, or, or wherever you, if you're on Spotify or you're on iHeartRadio or you're um, wherever you like to be, 
Um, all five episodes are there um, and they go through each personality pattern it's because we get wounded at a certain point. Doesn't matter how great your childhood was. Doesn't matter what you went through. Every one of us has one of these woundings and we all identify for the most part with all five of them. So so same as every other personality pattern, this is a a set of gifts that we then distort for our own safety, okay? It is is incredibly powerful to know that this is what's happening. That is what will change everything. Um, If you want help, you know, I've done this work for 15 years. I am now gloriously free of all of the massive insecurities and perfectionism I carried before. Work is always ongoing, of course, Um, But I got to tell you, my life has improved, you know, thousands of percents. Um, So if, and that's because I worked with someone, I worked with coaches, I worked with trainers. I went to a, to a, you know, four-year school. I went to two four-year schools. I got a master's degree. Like I, I went really intensely, but the, the message is if you, if you really want to make progress in this area, you need someone to help you do it because you're talking about noticing things you've done your whole life. It's very difficult to do on your own, um, at least until you get some momentum underneath you. So if that interests you, please reach out to me at dominiedrew.com. I would love to help. I can answer any questions. We can jump on a quick call. Um, I have group work. I currently have an eight-week program for both men and for women. Um, I also do one-on-one sessions right now. I don't know how long I will do that or when you're listening to this, but um, there is help. Okay. And, and your process will accelerate by about, I don't know, I would say maybe 40 or 50 times um, if you work with someone else versus doing it on your own. Okay. So thank you so much for joining me. This is our fifth um, and final uh, episode on Stephen Kessler. It's called The Five Personality Patterns. It's a great book. I recommend it. Um, and uh and if you have any any need for for help, no matter what it is that you're working through. Um, I'd be happy to help. Um, if it's not something that I can help you with, I will be happy to refer you, but pretty much any issue you're going through comes down to how you're holding yourself back. And that's my area of expertise. So my name is Dominique Drew. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll talk to you soon. Take care guys. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Domini Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.